My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. For me to make 155, I am eating basically nothing but meat and vegetables for about an eight-week period for me to go from 190 down to 155. So I get my body down to a very, very low percentage of body body fat, and then that last 10 to 12 pounds is just water weight. I'm eating a lot of meat, uh, a lot of beef, a lot of eggs, and then um, a little bit of vegetables, but not a lot of carbs. Fitness, nutrition, biohacking, longevity, life optimization, spirituality, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the Ben Greenfield Life Show. Are you ready to hack your life? Let's do this. If you're in your 30s, or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different Newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells and the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month, six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month, nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, Backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee and that code Ben Senna will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Senna. Hey, you want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs? You got to check out this stuff, Joy Mode. It's a powder. You can put it in water or if you're like me and you're a savage, you can dry powder into your mouth. It contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline, arginine, yohimbine, and vitamin C. So after taking this stuff called their Sexual Performance Booster, again, by Joy Mode, your blood levels of arginine and your hemobine increase, and that directly promotes nitric oxide production, penile tissue relaxation, and increased drive. Well, the antioxidant action of vitamin C protects the nitric oxide from oxidative degradation, which then enhances the blood flow promoting activity of the nitric oxide. They thought of everything. They're super smart over at Joy Mode, and collectively, these effects enhance sex drive and blood flow naturally to the penis, or to the clitoris. My wife takes it too. It's amazing. You get better orgasms, better blood flow. You can kiss nasty prescription medications goodbye and have natural guilt-free energy for boosting your sexual performance. You can get 20% off your first order from Joy Mode. How? Go to usejoymode.com slash greenfield. That's usejoymode.com slash greenfield. J-O-Y. Use joy mode dot com slash greenfield they'll give you 20 percent off your first order hey imagine if you could harness quantum energy which is a non-linear powerhouse of potential just waiting to be unlocked and you could blast yourself your home your pet your phone your business location anything with this quantum energy 
Well, the folks at a company called Quantum Upgrade have figured out how to do this. And they've actually done studies and shown it increases ATP production by an impressive 20 to 25% in human cells. They've done other randomized double-blind studies showing an improvement in red and white blood cells and even a reversal of stages one and two of blood clotting in just a few minutes of exposure to their quantum energy. There's a book by a guy named David Hawkins called Healing and Recovery that goes into what are called high consciousness fields, fields of love and peace and joy. And what the quantum technology is doing is it's taking those same frequencies and then bombarding your address or you or whatever you feed into their online system with that same technology. I realize this is very unique. I realize it's invisible. I realize it's a little bit weird, but I do it. I love it. It's just kind of cool. No one have the peace of mind that I'm getting quantum energy blasts no matter where I'm at in the world and my whole family and my dogs and the chickens and goats and everything here at the Greenfield House get blasted every day with quantum energy from Quantum Upgrade. You get a 15-day free trial if you just want to see what it feels like and if it works for you. Go to quantumupgrade.io and use code BEN15. That's quantumupgrade.io and use code BEN15. All right, folks. Well, I know a lot of you are fans of the UFC and MMA. And my guest today is actually an American professional mixed martial artist. You might be familiar with him. His name is Michael Chandler. He's in the lightweight division, or at least competes currently in the lightweight division of the UFC. He's been fighting since 2009. He has a a pretty decent record. He uh, was a three-time Bellator lightweight champion. He was winner of the Bellator season four lightweight tournament. As of last time I checked, I don't know, Michael, what are you, like number number five-ish in the UFC lightweight rankings? Number five. That's not shabby. Yeah, that, that's better than the majority of the world's population. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what I think is pretty cool about you, man, is I think we actually, we connected talking not about fighting, but about uh, adoption. Because you, you had adopted, I think, a baby... Uh, a, a baby boy right about the same time my wife and I were thinking about adopting and you gave me a few tips. I think that's how we connected, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you know, obviously that's uh that's the journey we've been on for the last couple of years. My wife, Bree and I, I, I think I got very, very, very fortunate. Um, now I can't, I can't uh, imagine my life not have adopting my two boys, but my wife has had it on her heart since she was 14 years old. So I lucked into it kind of, um, wasn't exactly something that I necessarily thought about when I was young and, uh, now here we are. Yeah. How's it going by the way, in, in terms of having a, a new addition to the family? It's been great. Uh, you know, it's normal. It, it's funny actually this, this week, uh, boys are hundred percent healthy. It's pretty awesome. Uh, my son Hap broke his arm, his left elbow seven days ago. And then my son Ace had uh, a hernia surgery today. So, you know, they're a little bit banged up. You know, got a couple guys on injured reserve on the injured reserve list, but uh, man, life is good. Um, they're healthy as heck. You know, the hernia thing was just a tiny little normal procedure that a lot of kids go through. And then you've probably broken bones, and I have broken a lot of bones by by the time I was ten years old. So it's a rite of passage for a young man to go through that stuff, and it's just going to make him tougher in the long run. And uh, Haps enjoying his cast. People are signing it. You know, he's the cool kid at school. He broke an arm. Uh, he was the first one, to, first person to lose his teeth, and the first person to break a bone in his class over the last <laughs> couple of years. So he feels like a stud. So it's good for the good for the good for the ego. Is, is he similar to the way that you were growing up? Were you kind of a scrapper and wound up breaking a lot, of, breaking a lot of bones and getting a lot of injuries? Yeah, I mean, not a ton, luckily. I mean, you know, it, the funny thing is, I remember being a kid, just falling out of trees and running into walls, jumping off things, and then. 
I still am kind of like that as, as a grown man. And then all of a sudden you have a kid and then you watch the kid do the same exact thing, which they should, because all boys are wild at heart. You know, that's the way that God designed their souls to be just constantly doing crazy things. And I'm just like, I can find myself being a little bit like a, Hey, don't do that. Ho, ho, be careful with that. Be careful with that. When really, when I was his age, I was doing things a lot worse, but um, yeah, man, I grew up in the woods in a small town south of St. Louis, Missouri. So my boys, you know, obviously growing up in Nashville, a um, little bit more in the in the city compared to where I grew up. But yeah, man, we, me and my two brothers were always getting into getting into uh, troubles and injuries and stitches and emergency rooms uh, all throughout our, our childhood. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I, I my sons are not really that intense when it comes to like that scrappy, gritty, competitive spirit. They just played a tennis tournament last weekend, and it's like, dude, you guys need to be aggressive and maybe even like get a little angry once in a while when you when you hit an unforced error. And uh, the odd thing is, though, they're they're tough, right? They do cold plunges and you know, hour of breath work in the sauna, and they swing kettlebells and they do old timey strength in the gym, and they'll just hike for miles on end with no food and no water and you know, work hard with the goats and the chickens and hauling, you know, hay and alfalfa bales out here in the hot summer of Washington state, but they're not like daredevils. You know, I think there's kind of two different ways that boys can be wired up in that sense. In an ideal scenario there, you know, you have, you have boys experience hard and difficult scenarios and rites of passages that prepare them for life. But I think some boys seem to uh, just not be, as wired up to be as competitive or aggressive, which is crazy because mom and I are hyper competitive and we just have this hypothesis that I don't know, maybe it skips a generation, you know? Yeah, no, that that's a possibility too. And obviously my boys are, are adopted, um, but they, but they emulate what they see. Right. And they also are products of their environment too, you know, being wild out there, you know, you put my sons out, you know, taking care of chickens and goats and hay bales and, and that kind of stuff. Maybe that's not their thing, you know? And it's like, it's, but the cool thing is it's these cool life experiences and they're, and they're somewhat out of the box of what the normal childhood is these days where kids are being raised on screens and uh, all that kind of stuff, which obviously we have our screen time and the kids got to have a, a time off from, you know, school and sports and all the organized stuff, of course. But um, yeah, man, it's just fun to watch them. It's fun to see them grow. It's, it, it's cool to see now having two and our son Ace is now 18 months old. So he's, coming into his own a little bit more. Uh, he's not just a baby. He's kind of, you know, a toddler now. And you're starting to notice these little, the differences in the, each other and the similarities in the two boys and just watching them and learn how to parent, parent them and just asking for wisdom because you just want to be the, the best parent you possibly can for each individual child um, in every single season that they go through. I tell my sons the same thing. I tell myself, use your screens for work and then use real analog flesh and blood experiences for life. It's like digital media and technology, I think is a great way to make a living because it allows you to scale and touch a lot more lives and kind of accelerate the process of making widgets, so to speak. But man, to, you know, when it comes to dating and social life and gaming and everything else, you know, I'd rather folks be outside and with real humans, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we try to do, you know, a mixture of both realizing that, you know, you can't be a hundred percent technology averse because you know it's it's part of our future. It's it's becoming more and more ingrained in our DNA that that's the way business is going to be done. That's the way people are connecting. I mean, look at us connecting from across the country right now and and advancing our careers, getting to know each other, connecting 
Um, but there is nothing better than good old fashioned in person connecting with other human beings. Uh, and then also having these, those experiences, um, where maybe you get your, you got to roll up your sleeves a little bit, do a little bit of work, do things that are hard. Um, it's awesome to hear that you got your, your sons doing cold plunges and workouts and all that different kind of stuff too, man. Cause that's, you know, ultimately they see their dad do it and they're going to want to do it and they're going to want to be a part of it. And obviously, you know, a lot about that stuff, a lot more than I do when it comes to, Hey, what's safe at what age can they start doing this? What age can they start doing that? You know? So just trying to be educated, read up and be surrounded by people who are, well, Hey, Ben's doing this with his kids. Let's go ahead and do it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. With the cold thing, there's this kind of like older classic book in the, I guess the ancestral health movement by a guy named John Durant. It's called the, I think it's called the paleo manifesto. I was, I was thinking maybe the primal manifesto, but I think it's the paleo manifesto. I remember I read that book right when, or right before my sons were born. And there's an entire chapter in it. The the whole book's about all these ancestral habits that made people tough and primal, but there's a whole chapter in it on how many of our ancestors had a habit of exposing their children to ice and snow and cold plunges and lakes and rivers and oceans at an early age, you know, tough populations, you know, not to stereotype too much. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for stereotyping, you know, like the Russians and the native Americans and the Finnish and, you know, these folks who tend to be associated with a bit of grit, I suppose, you know, almost all of them expose their kids to cold at an early age. So, you know, Jessa and I, you know, from nearly day one, you know, we take our kids out in the snow and do snow angels in our underwear and jump in cold pools and do, you know, cold water swimming preparation for mini triathlons. I, I just think, I mean, you know, Michael, that cold's fantastic for adults, but I think it's, it's just as good, if not better for, for kids uh, at an early age, you know? Yeah. And is that, is that, so from, from the, you know, reading that book or even uh, doing your other, any kind of other research, um, literature, or even anecdotal stuff, traditional type of stuff, is the time limits, temperature, all that kind of stuff, is it consistent with children as it is with adults? Uh, you know, obviously, um, what is it, three minutes minimum at under 60 degrees for adults normally is kind of the the beginning threshold, if you will. And is it, is it kind of the same thing for children or is it more just, yeah. Hey, pop in, pop out. At least you did something a little bit hard that day. Yeah. It's kind of the latter because kids have a, a lower surface area. Like they have a higher body mass to skin ratio. And so what that means is they can't dissipate heat as effectively. Right. So I, I've been taking my kids in the sauna, my sons into the sauna since they were four, but I always keep an eye on them. Right? I look for the red face, the accelerated breath, the accelerated heart rate, and then take them out before or right at that stage occurs, which is earlier than what it would occur in me, right? Like I could go maybe, you know, 45 minutes, whereas they're kind of toast at about 25. And very similar with cold, you know, you want to pay attention to their lips, to their shivering. As you've probably heard, like a ton of the benefits from cold set in before you even start shivering. Shivering is a sign that your metabolism is increasing and you're starting to burn a lot of calories and contract muscles over and over again, you know, that shivering mechanism to generate heat, but you don't have to get to that stage. And I, I think that the amount of sympathetic nervous system activation that occurs when you get the shiver stage could potentially make a kid kind of not like the cold because they associate it with excess stress. So, you know, boots on the streets with my sons, you know, most of the cold plunges, if you want to call them that, we'll go 
30 seconds up to about four minutes or so. And I don't think either of them has done, have done a lot of like cold plunging, cold soaking longer than about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, obviously just even, even getting my son Hap, who's my oldest, he's, he's almost seven. Obviously Ace is way too young to even think about this right now, but um, you know, even just the thought of, Hey, I jumped in, Hey, you want, you want to jump in even just to kind of see what it feels like, you know, because the great thing, the thing that I love about cold therapy was I really feel like I've turned a corner mentally and spiritually because I was so afraid of the cold and I was, I mean, not afraid of it, but I was, I was just a sissy. It was too uncomfortable for me. I didn't like it. Um, I'm, I'm naturally kind of a leaner guy. Um, most of the time, cause I'm always training. So I would get cold in a lot of scenarios, didn't like cold water. It was really hard for me to swim if it wasn't 100 degrees and really, really humid and really, really sunny. Uh, you wouldn't catch me uh, jumping in the pool because I jump in the pool and then as soon as I get out, I, I was freezing. And I wanted to, I thought to myself, man, if I want to be the best father, husband, fighter, um, just the best man I possibly can be, and I'm afraid of that cold water. And there's a lot of people around the world doing it right now. Uh, it's time for me to start doing it. And the thing I love about it is even as I've gotten better at it or accepted the fact that I'm going to do it no matter what. So there's no sense in complaining about it or uh, kind of tiptoeing around it, dancing, dance around the bush. I decided to just, uh, it, the thing I love about it is that it just, it never really gets easier for me for the, for the most part thus far. And I've been doing it now for a year or so, a year and a half consistently. And I just love that feeling of, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because Chandler's do hard things. And if you can instill that in your children, Hey, this is what we do. Chandler's do hard things, whether it be sports, discipline, cold therapy, whatever it may be, Chandler's do hard things. We do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the idea of having certain statements that your family stands for and believes in and identifies with is a really solid idea. I mean, we have like the Greenfield family mission statement where we defined all of our values, like contentedness or radical honesty or grittiness, for example. And we crafted a mission statement, a family crest, a family constitution, but a lot of it has woven into it, those different things that we stand for. So like if my sons, for example, tell a lie or they hold something against someone because they didn't go to that person to talk to them about it, I'll tell them, hey, we're Greenfields. That's not what we do. Like we're Greenfields and that means we're radically transparent or we're Greenfields and we don't drop out of the hike five miles in because we don't have food and water. We keep going to the 10 mile mark because we have grit and we've decided to have grit and be content no matter our circumstances. We don't have a frown on our face when the flight gets canceled. We got four hours in the airport. We find fun stuff to do because we figure out how to be happy no matter what. And I think having those kind of concepts that you teach your kids that are the things that your family, that your last name stands for is, is super important. And then the other thing, by the way, with the cold, I'm the same way, man. Like I don't like the cold. I don't like to be cold. I don't like to be in the cold, but you're no doubt familiar with breath work that can get you through it. Or, you know, the idea of having certain visualizations or even like Wim Hof breathing you might do before. But these days, Dude, my secret weapon for just being able to withstand the cold, whether it's a really cold day outside or a, or a cold plunge or a cold soak or a cold water swim is a higher dose niacin or niacinamide, like a, like a blood flow precursor, you know, like arginine or citrulline, any of those pre-workout blood flow boosters work really well also. And then uh, I recently talked to a doctor who knows a lot about the thyroid hormone 
and the thyroid hormone obviously helps generate heat and increase metabolism. And she turned me on to this stuff called T2. It's a different thyroid hormone a lot of people don't use. It's uh, in this supplement I've been messing around with called Thyroid Fixer. So now if I'm going to do like a day of hot, cold, or a longer cold session or anything like that, I do T2 and niacin or niacinamide total game changer, you know, cause your skin gets all prickly and you get that, that warm flushing sensation and you just feel like super resilient to cold. That's cool. Yeah. So, it, and that, and that has a lot to do with the blood flow, essentially having better blood flow in a colder temperature is better. Yeah. You, you, you figure out something that's going to be like that blood flow flushing effect. And then you combine that with something that'll increase the metabolic rate. Before I use the T2, I would use this stuff that I keep in my pepper grinder. Instead of using black pepper, I use this spice called grains of paradise. And if you look at grains of paradise, it not only increases your metabolic rate, but it assists with the conversion of the white adipose tissue into metabolically brown fat. And so I used to just do a few squeezes of that into my tea or my coffee or my water in the morning if I was gonna do cold. And now, I just use this T2 stuff because it's it's very similar, similar mechanism of action. It's just more powerful. That's awesome. Yeah, I see the, all those different things. And man, you know, I think it, it's so funny too because I've been following you for years and watching all the stuff that you're doing and you've probably thrown out a thousand different ingredients, supplements, um, therapeutic things, all of these different things that you're eating, drinking, doing. And one of the biggest problems I have is knowing whether or not things that I can ingest that are that are copacetic with USADA drug testing. And then now we're switching over to uh, drug free sport international. So, you know, USADA was so, uh, you know, cause we're ending that in January, but USADA was so blanket statement on so many different things. And it's almost like this analysis paralysis where it's, it's almost like there's so many things out there and people are so worried about tainted supplements. Or you're so worried about, you know, I mean, for me having fighting for 15 years, looking a certain way, being accused of being a guy who, has dabbled into all of the different performance enhancing drugs because of the way that I look, because I don't pass the eye test. My biggest fear would be testing positive. And then my entire career, my entire legacy was, okay, we knew it the whole time to do was juicing. Right. So it's just been such a, it, it's such a, a, a mind game. And I just kind of stick with, with what works for me that I know, Hey, I've been tested a ton on these supplements. These are NSF certified informed choice, BSCG, whatever the third party testing is. Um, so that's been kind of one of the biggest things because ultimately I want to live to a hundred years old like you, right? You know, I want to live past that. I want to, I want to be thriving in my seventies, eighties, nineties. I want to be that guy. Um, and obviously with the lifestyle that I live as far as, um, you know, fighting in a cage and taking brain damage and all that kind of stuff, um, wanting to prolong any kind of negative effects is kind of paramount for me. Yeah. yeah obviously you picked a, an uphill sport battle for, uh, the longevity piece. I actually want to ask you what you do about, management of of head injuries or at least staving off some of the effects of that but you know back to the supplements thing obviously like ironclad is that nsf certified for sport that you mentioned i always recommend athletes choose that like thorn or you know not not the tudor horn but we produce all the key on stuff in an nsf certified facility and looking for nsf is a good idea but do you use a directory like has ufc made available an actual directory of supplements or medications or peptides that are just banned or that they're going to look for on a blood test? The way things are right now, USADA is under WADA, you know, so the world anti-doping. 
Um, and they have their list and they have their list of banned substances. And then they also have the one decent thing that USADA did was we do have this app on our phone. They know where I'm at right now. They could come drug test me at any given time, 24 seven blood or urine. Um, and then they also have this resource called global dro that you can click on it. And I could type in, I could type in a supplement and, uh, I could type in a supplement and it'll say, yes, it's prohibited in competition, but not out of competition or it's prohibited in both, or it's not prohibited in either. Um, and then they also have the resource where you can go on and you can kind of see these, these certain supplements that have been proven to tested to, and proven to be tainted, um, that obviously you would always stay away from. Um, and a lot of them are very self-explanatory. You're like, that's on there. And some guy who was under the USADA program actually decided to take this, this supplement that was made in wherever it was made in whatever facility it was made, that was containing whatever it was containing. And you're kind of thinking, okay, well, that was kind of silly dummy. Um, but for the most part, yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, that's kind of the main, the main resource that we have. And then we do have a direct line to Jeff Nowitzki and a, and a lady named Donna, um, who, who worked for the UFC in, in conjunction with USADA to be kind of our liaisons of, Hey, can you take a look at this? Any red flags here? Is this good? Is this a dietary supplement or is this a nutritional supplement or the difference between the two, you know? Um, so they have some decent resources, but more than anything, you kind of just are so, I think they've scared all of us so much from taking things that we're so worried about that we just don't take a lot of things at all that we probably could be taking for longevity, that we probably could be taking for brain health, um, overall performance, um, and not just performance in the cage, but performance just in life, you know? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Global Dro. That's the resource I've sent people to for a long time, just because it's so easy to look up your sport and which supplements or drugs would be avoid or would be ones you want to avoid for that sport and which ones are acceptable. So yeah, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. By the way, the show notes for everybody listening are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash Chandler, bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R if you want to access those. But yeah, Global Dro, I think it's just globaldro.com if I remember correctly. But what, based on that, what, uh, what supplements do you take? Like, do you have go-to supplements that work that you consider to be safe for MMA athletes? Yeah. So exactly what you said. So anything that we take needs to be NSF certified, informed choice, um, one of those third-party testings. And I know UFC does have a, does have a deal in place with Thorn. So they will supply you with um, Thorn supplements. And of course, when you go to thorn.com or whatever it is, there are ones that we can't take because they have banned substances in them. Even if they are NSF certified, they still have banned substances. But they, if they put you on a certain regimen and say, Hey, I want make sure I got my fish oils or my anti-inflammatories, antioxidants, um, beta alanines, or any of those other things. Those are ones that are tested by them. Those are ones that are approved by USADA and WADA and then, then given to us by the UFC. Um, I have a, a company in town that I work with called OIAM, O-I-A-M performance.com. And they do, they've been working with a lot of D1 professional or D1 college athletes. And then a lot of professional athletes, NBA, MLB, NFL, um, and they come in little packs. So the hardest part for me was I probably had 20 something pill bottles, which that's nothing compared to you. Most of the time I'm talking to people and they say, I can't believe you take that many supplements per day. I'm sure you take probably more than that. Sound like my grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, um, so speaking to you, it's probably not that many, but you know, just opening up the pills and putting them in the hand or putting them, you know, maybe setting them out for the entire week. Um, so OIM has these packs, whether it be just your, your rise and shine multivitamin, your anytime anti-inflammatories, the optimal sleeps, uh, maybe adding a little bit more melatonin for some sleeping, um, 
And then, you know, the biggest thing for me is just um, fish oils, turmeric or curcumin for the anti-inflammatories, and then lean protein and then branched chain amino acids and, and uh, essential amino acids. And then I've also have a friend of mine who is um, a part owner of a company called Elysium. Have you heard of Elysium? Yeah. Elysium. Are they doing like the, uh, they're the one that's doing like a, a nicotinamide riboside and NR? Yeah. So I forget what the name of that actual one is, but I know I take basis format signal and one other one. Um, so I take those two, two capsules of each in the morning. Yeah. There's a, there's an NAD one. Um, I think signal, I think basis, oh, matter basis or matter is the NAD one and then signal and format. And, um, whatever the other one I just mentioned was they're, they're a great company and, and they're very, very scientifically back, um, back to, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, peer reviewed, um, Harvard studies, Yale studies, Columbia studies, um, a lot of the Ivy league studies that these guys have done mainly because I think one of the, one of the founders of it wrestled at Brown university. Um, so he's kind of plugged in at the, um, at the Ivy league kind of testing stuff. So those are kind of the, my go-tos. And then obviously I throw in some thorn stuff in there with, uh, cause the UFC hooks me up with that. Yeah. That the Elysium stuff, I think the one I was familiar with was the basis, which you mentioned as the, the NR or the NAD, I forget which, but those other ones like signal and format, what are those supposed to be doing? So those are more, um, brain. I think the signal one is, is for the brain. Um, I wish I would have brought them here cause I don't know. I kind of forget exactly what they are in there. You know, the, the one thing about me, and this is what I, I actually was talking to my wife about how much you, people like you or you personally kind of intimidate me where, you know, you've been studying this forever and you got it all in your mind and people probably look at me and see the way that I train. And they think, man, that guy must have a ton of knowledge when it comes to nutrition and fitness and that kind of stuff. And I do, I definitely know enough to be dangerous with it. Um, but that's the beauty of having great, great coaches and great, great doctors and great, um, trainers around you too, where you kind of get the information then you put it on kind of autopilot and maybe do a little bit of, do a little bit of experimenting here and there, see how your body performs or how it recovers or how it, how it does on certain supplements that I know are hundred percent legal and, and been tested. Um, but for the most part, I pretty much stick with the kind of the same stuff. And then once I get it, say once I get, um, kind of a good idea and get everything, um, kind of buttoned up and make sure everything is 100% approved and good to take, then I just kind of take it and put it on autopilot. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just looked up the Elysium stuff. It looks like signals just kind of like an advanced version of the NAD one. And then matter is more of like a okay. B vitamin complex. And I think basis is their base NAD supplement. So yeah, that's solid. I mean, okay. NAD is just clutch for me as a guy who's like traveling a lot with inflammation gets on many nights just due to work and life and family, like less sleep than I would like. NAD and creatine, those two for sleep deprivation, they're lifesavers. I mean, I'll even sometimes wear an NAD patch. Like there's one company called Ion Layer that makes an electrophoresis patch where you can just get a slow bleed into your system during the day. And I take I take a lot of NAD. I kind of take a break from it a lot of times on the weekends or I'm less busy, have more time to sleep, et cetera. But most weekdays, you know, I'm I'm often using those patches or the Biostack Labs or Qualia has a new NAD and all double dose on many mornings, not just for the cellular protective effect and the effects on cognitive function in the face of sleep deprivation. But like I mentioned earlier, you get a nice little blood flow, you know, flushing type of effect from it, too. So, I mean, I think a lot of people are aware now of NAD and its its properties, but it's a pretty fantastic supplement. 
Cool. Yeah. And I actually wanted to ask you, um, have you done, I, have you done IV NAD compared to taking the pills? Yeah, it, it's, it's a mega dose. There's some controversy over whether or not that much is actually necessary or whether that much might even drive an accelerated sympathetic nervous system response with the flushing and the gut upset and the massive dose of NAD potentially causing basically the best way to describe it is it overuses some of the methyl groups in your body. So it could deprive you from a methylation standpoint long-term, but considering the fact that sympathetic nervous system activation in small, smart doses is basically a hormetic stressor, you know, the same as like a hot sauna session or a cold plunge or a workout. And considering the fact that you can take methyl donors when you do an NAD IV, like trimethylglycine or SAMe, or even just liver capsules, those are good methyl donor. You can stave off a lot of the issues with over use of methyl groups. And I think for people who are struggling with addiction, because NAD is good for that, really high amounts of inflammation, or just want to kind of go rocket ship to the moon and then sustain that with oral supplementation or patches. I think a series of NAD IVs every once in a while is a good idea. I probably get an NAD IV, I would say I average right now, about once a month for around a thousand milligrams of NAD. And I, I actually really do feel like it's a it's a great anti-aging play and also just wonderful for, for DNA repair, for cellular protection, for the mitochondria. And I almost always take methyl like SAMe or trimethylglycine when I do them. Man, yeah. There's so much different, you know, stacking and why you take certain things with other, um, with other things in order to increase its effectiveness and all that kind of stuff. Um, man, it's, uh, it's just really, really cool. And it's, it's fun to watch and, and kind of, when I listen to your, your podcast or I, or I see the videos on social media, just try to take little notes and say, okay, let me make sure I look into that. And then I start doing my little spider web of, okay, can I take this? Is it able, am I able to take it? Is it a nutritional supplement, a dietary supplement, whatever it may be, put it into global, global drill, try to look into all that stuff and try to see, okay, Hey, what can I do here? What can I do here for longevity and quality of life that actually uh, is, is okay for me to take um, from an actual athletic standpoint? If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells, and the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months, and you only use it twice a month, six capsules twice a month, super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning, then I set it and forget it for a month nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, and that code Ben Seno will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Seno. 
Hey, you want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs? You got to check out this stuff, Joy Mode. It's a powder. You put it in water or if you're like me and you're a savage, you can dry powder into your mouth. Contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline, arginine, yohimbine, and vitamin C. So after taking this stuff called their Sexual Performance Booster, again, by Joy Mode, your blood levels of arginine and your hymn being increased, and that directly promotes nitric oxide production, penile tissue relaxation, and increased drive. Well, the antioxidant action of vitamin C protects the nitric oxide from oxidative degradation, which then enhances the blood flow promoting activity of the nitric oxide. They thought of everything. They're super smart over at Joy Mode, and collectively, these effects enhance sex drive and blood flow naturally to the penis or to the clitoris. My wife takes it too. It's amazing. You get better orgasms, better blood flow. You can kiss nasty prescription medications goodbye and have natural guilt-free energy for boosting your sexual performance. You can get 20% off your first order from Joy Mode. How? Go to usejoymode.com slash greenfield. That's usejoymode.com slash greenfield. J-O-Y. Use joymode.com slash greenfield. They'll give you 20% off your first order. It helps me having done a lot of human pharmacology and, and biochemistry uh, and OCHEM at University of Idaho to get the base understanding. But there's one really smart guy. I don't know if you've heard of him, Chris Masterjohn. He's got a sub stack and puts out a lot of really great information about how certain supplements and medications and chemicals interact in the body and kind of what drains what and what mixes with what. So he's a pretty good resource for a lot of this stuff, too, as far as wrapping your head around, you know, what stacks well and what doesn't. And then the other one is, uh, I think, Examine. They do some really good research-based information on supplementation. And then there's another website called uh, Self Decode that talks a lot more about how your unique genetics would interplay with certain supplements that you take. And you can even do a DNA test through them and then get a custom panel where you could look up any supplement or medication or even lifestyle, you know, intervention like sauna or cold or something like that and see how it corresponds to your genetics. So that's a really helpful resource also. Um, I did want to ask you though, cause I, I briefly brought it up, man, that the head injury thing, how much does that concern you? Do you do, do things actively proactively to protect your, your head, whether it's, you know, extra hydration or minerals or ketones or anything like that? I mean, I'm always extremely hydrated, um, mainly because, you know, I love, I love to be hydrated. I love water. I love, uh, I love it because I have been deprived of it way too many times in my life when it comes to cutting weight. Um, I actually just did a, a 24 hour fast just to, just to kind of see how I would do for 24 hours. Um, and, it, and it's funny how, cause people always say when you're cutting weight, man, you must be starving. I'm like, well, I'm not really starving. I'm just thirsty. You know, I'm just, I'm just thirsty. I can, I can do without the food. I just can't do without the water. So hydration for sure. Um, tons of, uh, omega, omega threes and then turmeric, curcumin, all the anti-inflammatories that I can, because obviously, you know, with a lot of the research and a lot of the thought leaders, including yourself talking about just chronic inflammation, um, of people's body and, and obviously being very active and working out obviously helps flush out a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of that in my body compared to the normal sedentary person, if you will. Um, but yeah, the omegas, the anti-inflammatories, antioxidants, um, doing the cold therapy. I do sauna as well. I do have a place here in town that I do hyperbaric, um, every now and then probably not as much as I should. Um, but 
you know, as far as thinking about it and wondering about it or, or being worried about it, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't something that wouldn't concern me because it's, it's kind of that, like that sleeping demon, if you will, right? You're not necessarily going to feel it today. It could be something that shows its, shows its symptoms and rears its head a decade from now. Um, and the damage would already be done. So knowing that someday there could be something that, you know, like some certain symptoms or ailments that are going to, you know, hopefully not knock on wood come my way, uh, because of my lifestyle or my career, if you will, um, doing as much as I can right now from sleep, hydration, anti-inflammatories to hopefully stave it off as long as possible. Yeah, that's interesting. If you look at, for example, a lot of the research on Alzheimer's and dementia, I would say uh, Del Brecca's book, The End of Alzheimer's, is really good. There's another one. He kind of flies on the radar. His name's Dwayne Goodenow, and he's got another book called The End of Alzheimer's. A ton of the strategies those guys use directly correspond to the same type of strategies you would use to protect the brain or heal faster after a concussion or TBI or series of them. I would say a third guy is Dr. Daniel Amen with his spec scan. And he's got a lot of just practical lifestyle advice about how many free radicals spill out from mitochondria in a brain that's been saturated with THC or some of the vasoconstrictive effects of excess nicotine and caffeine, right? Two widely used supplements when it comes to blood flow to the brain. But when you look at Dale Bredesen, for example, you know, ketone esters would be one, like just using those on a regular basis, not just before workout, but literally just like, oh, I mean, I have a shot of ketones with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And after I interviewed the guys from HVMN and learned a ton more about ketone esters, I started just putting a little bit of their, they have like a giant bottle called ketone IQ. And I just put a little bit of that in my lunchtime bone broth and my, you know, evening sparkling water and my morning smoothie. So I kind of get a slow bleed of ketones in the system, which is very protective for neural inflammation. And then another couple that, that pop up repeatedly in dementia and Alzheimer's that you might think are interesting, Michael. Um, one is the intracranial intranasal red light therapy. There's one device called a V-Light. Have you seen this one before? You like put it on with red lights on your head and, and nasal red light probes in your nostrils? I have not seen that. No, that's cool though. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. And then there's a helmet called the Neuronic. But basically, long story short is red light for the brain, particularly going through the skull or through the nostrils is fantastic for staving off Alzheimer's and dementia and also for restoring blood flow and healing cells after something like a TBI or a concussion. And a lot of people now are combining it with this other neural protectant. You've probably seen it. People accuse biohackers now of having smurf mouth. But methylene blue goes directly to the brain when you consume it. And then the photons of light are actually able to allow the mitochondria in the brain to generate even more ATP when you have methylene blue on board. So that, that combo of methylene blue and red light and honestly also methylene blue and hyperbaric. That's amazing for the brain. I haven't looked recently at Global Drill for methylene blue, but I'm curious, has that popped up on your radar at all? No, I mean, I've seen, I've seen it online and, and uh, heard a, a little bit about it, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't done much research on it whatsoever. Um, and is that a, what do you call it? Smurf mouth? You said blue. So smurf mouth, what does it make your, uh, your lips blue? It kind of turns your mouth blue. My mouth might still be a little bit blue. I've been using it almost every day now because I do a lot more red light and hyperbaric in the winter, just coming, I'm indoors more. 
and it helps with mood and seasonal affective disorder and things like that. So yeah, usually it's a sublingual trochee that you dissolve in your mouth. There are companies like Mitozen and uh, Troscriptions. Those are two companies that make the trochee you can put in your mouth. Mitozen has eye drops, like methylene blue eye drops you can put directly into the eyes. Um, there's another company called BioBlue that makes methylene blue and makes with a bunch of minerals and then NMN. And that's a pretty potent formula as well. But any of those options you would take right before or like 30 to 60 minutes before you do red light or before you do hyperbaric. And that stack is fantastic for the brain, combining methylene blue with red light or with hyperbaric or both. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, when it comes to when it comes to me being engaged in the the career that I have, I mean, it's not, it's not whether or not you're going to be get hit, hit in the head. It's, it's how often, how much, and then what, what percentage of the couple different degenerative diseases down the line that are, are prevalent these days, Alzheimer's and dementia and all those different things. What, what portion of that is the actual damage or what portion of that was because people lived a not so healthy lifestyle with a not so healthy diet and we're sedentary and all, all of that. And that's where I'm hoping that my high level of focusing on my health and my high level of being active and the high level of, of spending 90% of my life in a very, very good diet um, and anti-inflammatory diet for that, um, for that sake as well is hopefully going to be my, my knight in shining armor continuing to push me on toward the, uh, you know, a long and thriving life. Because, you know, it's one of those things where I also said, when I got into the sport or the kind of the first time I started to ask people started asking me about it or have seen my fights, the fights that I get in, which are, are no, uh, no easy task. I get into some wars and I have been in some wars in the UFC. I had some in Bellator before. Um, you know, it was one of those things where I also thought, Hey man, I was called to this sport. I believe I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and it's, uh, it's operating every single day to try to fulfill my potential. And, uh, you know, deal with any deal with any repercussions later on, but definitely pull a Barry Sanders and bounce out before people are ready for me to bounce out too. That's one of those, that's one of those things too, having the, uh, the freedom and the the choice to be able to, to retire whenever I want to, instead of having to continue to fight because I have no other way to make an income, you know? Yeah. Preferably when you're near at the top. I remember when I was racing Ironman, there was an athlete from the UK named Chrissy Wellington and she just came out of nowhere dominated the entire women's professional field in Ironman for several years. I think like three years or so of winning Ironman world championships in Kona. And then she just waved and said goodbye and went off to do charity work and just like, you know, rode her horse off into the sunset. And I think it pissed off a lot of athletes who were just waiting to take her down once she got old or injured or something like that. So I think there is something to be said for just saying, Hey, see you later when you're at the top and leaving a pretty decent, legacy behind. Um, that's interesting that you said about fish oil too. I briefly mentioned um, Dwayne Goodenow. I think I said the wrong title of his book. I think I said it was the end of Alzheimer's. That's Dale Bredesen's book. Dwayne's is um, Breaking Alzheimer's. And he talks about the importance of choline to create all these little molecular uh, compounds in the brain that have been shown to become depleted in someone who's had traumatic brain injury or has been concussed multiple times or uh, has early onset dementia or Alzheimer's and choline. I mean, it's so easy. You said fish oil, egg yolks, walnuts. You could even use you know, phosphatidylcholine. You'll find that a lot of, you know, smart drugs and nootropics. And I think that's also 
incredibly important as far as the diet goes. But I wanted to ask you if you actually follow a specific diet, because there's so many out there and they seem to get trendy in the in sports, you know, whether it's carnivore or paleo or, you know, keto is huge in the endurance world. What about you? Yeah, no, I don't I don't follow any specific diet aside from just eating lean meats and a little bit of vegetables. I don't I don't do a lot of carbs. Um I know that probably sounds pretty crazy because I am in a a very uh very aerobic uh heavy sport. A- anaerobic, anaerobic, like gly- gly- glycolytic anaerobic sport, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but also yeah, I mean just just having having to have long periods of of cardio too. Um so yeah, I mean, I when I'm in training camp, that's the unfortunate part too. For me to make 155, I am eating basically nothing but meat and vegetables for about an eight week period. For me to go from 190 down to 155, so I get my body down to a very very low percentage of body fat, body fat, um, and then that last 12 to 15 pounds or 10 to 12 pounds is just water weight. Um, but you know, right now when I'm not uh, in a when I'm not in a training camp, not trying to really, I'm trying to just maintain and look like a professional athlete, look healthy, feel healthy. Um, I'm eating a lot of meat, uh, a lot of beef, a lot of eggs, hmm. and then um, a little bit of uh, vegetables, but not a lot of carbs. You know, I don't really do breads. I don't really do pastas. Um, I do a little bit of potato. Um, a lot of the, any of the carbs I get, I'm getting from vegetables or maybe a little bit of sweet potato, purple potato, um, or potatoes, white potatoes as well. Yeah, you you're on the uh on the Liver King bandwagon at all? You doing any organ meats? Well, so it's funny when I'm down in Florida, um I'm basically I'm down there by myself and my my son will come visit every now and then, but my wife will be here in Nashville and she she uh she doesn't really come visit much, so I'm kind of down there like a like a Spartan in training camp, right? Um so every now and then when I'm in training camp, I'll go to this cool little shop that that has a bunch of organ meats and uh I'll do a little bit of liver, avocado, um ground beef and onions or something. Um, but I don't do, I don't do a lot of, a lot of organ meats. Um, how about you? Are you, you doing organs often? Yeah. I, well, you know, it's kind of like people say their nature's multivitamin. It sounds kind of gimmicky, but they actually are really high in fat soluble vitamins. Yeah. So high, you gotta be careful with some animals like bear, you know, you can get vitamin A toxicity. But yeah. Good, clean liver, heart, kidney. I do big orders from us wellness meats. So I just, you know, you get free shipping. I think when it's over a I think it's just seventy-five or ninety-nine dollars. So I just get a ton of that shipped to my house. And I, I've said this before on the podcast. People are probably sick of hearing it, but I soak my liver in kefir for about twenty-four hours, and rinse it and pulverize it in the blender. And I make these little smoothie bites, like little, you know, like one ounce or so. That's right. Butter cups, cup-sized uh, liver bites. I toss them in my smoothie. I just did that this morning. Not every day, but usually four or five days of the week. I have. Essentially, it's a raw liver smoothie, you know, with bone broth and whey protein powder and stevia or monk fruit and some other goodies thrown in. It's super nutritious and it's really tasty. And then maybe once a week, we'll cook up heart or liver or kidney or we have tongue taco Tuesdays. There's just once you realize there's so much more to meat life than poultry and fish and beef, you can actually get some pretty cool flavors from organ meats. Have you ever done or experimented with the, the capsules? As far as dried, dried ground livers and all those kind of things, have you ever do those as well? For sure, I travel with those too. And also, like if I was going to an NAD IV, that's an option for methyl precursors. But I like them. Uh, my wife laughs at me because I chew on them like popcorn. I don't swallow them. I think they taste really like umami, savory, delicious. And they're from a good source. You know, Paul Saladino has Heart and Soil. That's a good one. 
uh, Liver King, even though he catches some flack, his supplements are actually really good. The uh, the ancestral supplements ones, like they're mostly from grass fed, grass finished sources. Like that's the idea, and then they're desiccated and powdered and not exposed to a lot of heat. Um, Ancient Nutrition, I think, has them as well. So yeah, there's some good brands out there, and it is convenient. You know, if you don't want to mess around with freaking soaking a giant liver in a plastic bag for 24 hours in kefir and then you know sous vide it all day or something like that so yeah i i actually i think they're fantastic yeah i mean i uh seeing paul and liver king and those guys in there and i've heard of those two different supplements um but then once again going back to okay well it's not nsf certified informed choice or whatnot but it doesn't have to be too because that's what that's what people even people listening right now so you could just say, okay, well, everything needs to be NSF certified, but if it's actually liver in a capsule, it's not a supplement. It's actually just food. So it, you're not going to get that FDA certification, third-party testing. So essentially, in a perfect world, it's just like eating liver, but it's in a capsule. So you don't need the NSF certification because it wasn't made in some supplement warehouse somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you'd see it's still going through the encapsulation process and still in the machinery and I would, if I were an athlete, I would still make sure that they're producing an NSF certified facility or at least a CGMP certified facility if you want to be 100% safe. Because you don't know who else is making supplements if they don't kind of like own the whole process, soup to nuts, as far as the laboratory equipment and the encapsulation technology. So it pays to do research, you know, even like getting a certificate of analysis, checking the facility that it's made in. And off the top of my head, I actually don't remember if Heart and Soil or Ancestral or NSF certified. It'd be pretty easy to just, you know, Google it and find out. But yeah, I, I'm a fan of them for the convenience sake, the liver capsules. My sons actually do that almost every morning. They take uh, beef brain right now for their brains before school. They have about four to six capsules of the beef brain. I think they've got the uh, Ancestral supplement stuff. So it's fantastic for kids too, as long as you're careful not to load them up with too much too often. Yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, with the carbohydrate moderation, or actually eating pretty low-carb diet from what it sounds like, how do you handle the sleep? Because a lot of people, they feel like they don't get enough carbs to produce the serotonin, which then makes the melatonin, and you lay awake at night, and you know you either have to take a boatload of sleep supplements or sleep drugs or just kind of figure out a way to, to you know fight insomnia or breathe your way to sleep. But what do you do? It's a good thought. You know, I, th- I think for me, I've always just operated that way. And as I've, you know, I've, I've been competing in the 150 since I was 16, 17 years old. I wrestled 152 my senior year of high school and then wrestled 157 in college for five years. And then now I've been fighting for 15 years at 155. So back then I was 165, cutting to 152. And then all of a sudden I'm 170s and cutting to 157. And then now I'm 190, cutting to 155. So as I've gotten bigger, denser, heavier, just by age and also packing on muscle and, and staying strong, um, I've just had to be more, I guess, uh, drastic with my diet. And as long as I dial it in for eight weeks straight, and I, I, I got to admit the first, I think the first couple of weeks, you know, right now, when I go from eating how I'm eating right now, which is not crazy low carb right now, you know, I had Thai food last night. So I'll, I'll do meals here and there where I'm getting some, some carbs. Um, but when I'm in training camp and I'm really dialed into that eight week period, the first couple of weeks is pretty rough because I ramp up my training. I go into a training camp, basically shock my body. Now I'm doing two, three workouts a day. 
um, plus trying to sleep and I'm on the road and I'm going through all kinds of different transitions. So for me, it's always just par for the course. I know there's going to be some tough sleep. I know, but I kind of am able to kind of settle in once my body kind of regulates a little bit. Um, I do take melatonin. Um, that helps me sleep. One of the hard things about for me training is I usually train at 10 AM. So I'm up, up by about seven and then train at 10 and then I'll have a couple hours during the day and I'll usually train at like six or seven. So by the time I get done, get home, eat, you know, it's nine, nine thirty, And then, then I, I, I'm expecting my body to down regulate and then fall asleep, which doesn't always work. So there's sometimes where I'm up till midnight tossing and turning or watching TV or doing something like that. So it's not always the best, yeah. but melatonin kind of helps. I probably would love a life where I had a little bit more carbs during my heavy training for sure. Yeah. You'd think you'd be so exhausted with that training that your eyes are just shut down and you'd go to sleep. But I remember I, you know, I've made so many mistakes back when I was racing Ironman, but I'd even have some training blocks that were super intense, like week long training camps where I would literally be taking like a Valium to sleep. You know, of course the first morning's workout absolutely sucks, but it would be the only way I could shut down the body after a day of sugar and caffeine and overtraining. If I could go back and do it over again, though, now, like there's so many things that are non-pharmaceutical or especially for the sake of an athlete like you who's being tested, you know, non-supplement based that you can do to shut down the brain. And they're, and they're all technologies, right? Like there's one called the Pulsetto. It's a vagal nerve stimulator and it just delivers this mild electrical sensation like on either side of your neck, close to right underneath your jawbone. And that one's fantastic for quelling anxious, anxious thoughts and for toning the vagus nerve and it increases HRV too. And then there's the, um, the Apollo wearable, like the one that you wear on your wrist, your ankle that vibrates and will even start to vibrate again, like automatically detect movement when you wake up and start to vibrate again. That's a good one. There's this mat that you can put underneath your pillow. It's called a HAP B, which produces a magnetic stimulation that mimics the effects of melatonin without actually taking melatonin. There's um, this other company called Vibrant Blue Essential Oils, and they make these essential oils. And I keep them on my bedside. And you put them on certain acupressure points at night, like the back of the neck, the top of the head, again, back behind the jaw. And they're all just essential oils, right, designed to elicit a feeling of relaxation. My wife loves it because it smells really pretty. So I smell great at night, like a giant field of lavender when I fall asleep. So those are pretty cool. And then um, one other thing that I I kind of just recently added it to my bed, and it makes it honestly almost too hard to get out of bed in the morning. I feel like when I wake up, my mattress is sucking me back down into the mattress, and all I want to do is lay there. And it's this giant grounding under under the the top sheet. It's like a grounding sheet. It's made by Ultimate Longevity, and then. The pillowcase is grounded too, meaning there's cables coming out of the sheet in the pillowcase that plug into the grounding outlet by my bed. And even though I've used PMF mats and, you know, so-called grounded mattresses and things like that, I just recently added that in like a week and a half ago, like the full mat and the full pillowcase. And both my wife and I, and we know it's because of that. So it's the only thing we changed. We literally, it's, it's almost too good. Like we can't get out of bed that easily in the morning. Yeah. I mean, the technology these days and, you know, vetted technology and, and from people like yourself who have shown and, and had anecdotal experiences. Um, obviously, you're a very trusted guy in that in that space. So all of those things would be good to, to add 
from a bed standpoint, one of my favorite things that I've ever done, and I am not endorsed by these guys. I do not get paid by these guys, but the eight sleep mattress. Have you ever messed around with any of those cooling mattresses? Yeah, I used to have a chili pad for a while. And now, even though I don't, yeah, I don't use it because it's winter. The chili pad does cold water in the bed, but it kept breaking. And the company, I think, went out of business, went bankrupt. My apologies to whoever's with that company if I'm misquoting, but they started to get really hard to work with from a customer service standpoint. And then I switched to this thing called the bed jet, which is like an air conditioning tube that goes underneath the sheet at the foot of the bed. And that thing is incredible, but I installed it right when summer ended. So I haven't really needed it recently, but that's what I use. I don't use the eight sleep, man. I think, and they've reached out before offering to send me one and sponsor the podcast. And you can't, from what I understand, they might've changed this, but last time I checked, you couldn't disable the Wi-Fi, and I talked to two different building biologists who tested it and said it had had really high EMF during a night of sleep. And I'm not saying it's like rain on your parade or whatever, but I actually don't use it, and that's why. And maybe they changed that. I don't know. The last time I looked into it, it was just too much dirty electricity. Yeah, that makes sense because I know you have to connect to the Wi-Fi but I think you're just connecting to the Wi-Fi to then get onto the Bluetooth or get onto the network. Um, and I, I, and, and I apologize to anybody who's listening right now. Maybe I'm very much misquoting, but I know you have, you have to connect to your, that personal Wi-Fi of that device. Then you go back to your regular Wi-Fi and then you're using it via Bluetooth. I could be wrong, but I just really love the, the chilling aspect of it. And then it can warm up when you get closer to waking up. So it doesn't, keep you in bed. Cause for me, if it's really cold when I'm trying to get out of bed, I'm like, no, I'm just going to stay here because I'm going to stay warm. But if it warms you up, then you can just get up get up and get out. Yeah. Yeah. It activates a little bit of the, uh, the wake drive when you go from warm to cold and it's better than an alarm clock. My sons use a, one of those sunrise alarm clocks. And once summer comes back around, I'll test that bed jet out even more, but the bed jet is the same, like similar to the eight sleep. You can say, Hey, keep me at 65 degrees until midnight and then decrease to 64 for even a lower core temperature while I'm in my deep sleep phases, and then start to increase it to like 70 at 5.30 a.m. or whatever. So it, it'll do something like that also. But it's interesting. A lot of people I don't think realize that you can use temperature kind of like an alarm clock. It all depends, too, how much you're able to stay in it. Um, you know, and I have one down in Florida. I have one here in, in Nashville. So when you're able to have long stretches where you're where you're there, at your house and you're not traveling and, and staying at hotels and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it definitely helps get you up at the exact, you know, around the, the, the time that you want to be waking up The you know, the eight sleep has a vibration uh, modality too, where it'll, the bed, bed will actually vibrate and kind of just gently wake you up as well. So it's pretty cool. These days I'm trying to, from a, an alarm clock standpoint, I try to just use my watch. So I, uh, I sleep in my watch and then it vibrates and kind of just gently chirps and wakes me up because that's, for me these days, a lot nicer than, you know, waking up to a, a loud alarm. So I, I got to look up that sunrise. You said call it sunrise alarm. Yeah. Sunrise alarm clock or the other one that I talked about that happy, you can program it. That's a little wearable. So it'll vibrate in a focus or energy mode at a certain time in the morning. So right now I have that set at 6 a.m., even though I'm usually up by five, just in case I accidentally sleep in. And then the... um Really, that's all I use right now as far as what you might consider to be an alarm clock because I'm usually up just so early anyways. If I were to use any semblance of an alarm clock, it would be as like insurance, you know, just so you don't find yourself sleeping in accidentally. And then my sons, 
yeah, they have an alarm clock and it's set. I think right now it's set for 5.15 and they're 15 years old, by the way. And I think it's fine for teenage boys to get up kind of early. I think it's fantastic actually to get up and do your chores and read your Bible and pray. And, you know, a lot of people think adolescent boys should sleep a lot, but they go to bed at like nine, nine thirty max. So they're up around five, five fifteen. And this sunrise alarm clock goes off. And all it does is create this nice ambient red glow, like sunrise in a room. And I guess my equivalent of that, Michael, is when I wake up, I wear blue light blocking glasses all around the house, all the way until I get into my office. And then for the first 20 minutes of work, which starts at about 6.30, 7 a.m. or so, I keep the blue light blocking glasses on so the screen is red like sunrise. And I only light my office with red lights, like red light panels. So I kind of get sunrise for the first 20 minutes or so in my office. And that helps me out a ton with circadian rhythmicity, just avoiding bright blue sun-like lights until your body's had a chance for the first hour, hour and a half or so of the day to wake up on its own. That makes sense. Yeah. So your your blue light glasses, are they are they special ones or are they just any of your blue light glasses that you can get these days? Because because there's so many companies that offer them now reading glasses with blue light blockers and all that kind of stuff. Are they special, different special ones or are they kind of just, can anybody get any of those? It's I, I use these ones called Raw, uh, Raw Like the Sun God, R-A, Raw Optics. There's a few good brands out there. But I, you know, I realize he's probably biased, but I talked with the guy at Raw, Matt Maruka, and he showed me some of these charts showing that you can block light without necessarily blocking the melatonin suppressing effects of blue light. And it's less expensive to get a lens like that. But if you pay for blue light blocking glasses that have a lens that actually blocks the a sufficient amount of blue light, it's worth it. And so... Yeah, you can't swing a dead cat by the tail without hitting some blue light blocking company. But you know, I use RAW because they apparently block the correct amounts of blue light. And there's a few others out there. I think Dave Asprey has a brand, or at least he used to. It was called like True Dark or something like that. And that was a decent one. And then there's one other brand. I don't have it in front of me, but I have a Dr. Leland Stillman. He's a great doctor. Shout out to Leland. Really wonderful doctor. And He's a friend of mine, and he sent me some blue light blockers that I think he has on his website, and they're a really good brand, too, and I like those because it's like a yellow lens, but then it's got a snap-on red lens that you can put on top of it, so if you want to switch back and forth from day mode to night mode. But yeah, to answer your question, they're they're not all created equal. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good info. And yeah, Dave, Dave's are Dave's are tough because you got the, the, you got to have the yellow lenses, you know? That's all he has, because I actually have a pair of those. Um but yeah, the yellow lenses, and they're, I think they're called true darks. Yeah. Or true lights. Yeah, I think that's what they are, is true dark. So um, what's it looking like for you as far as your fight season? I think I saw a few months ago, there was like this big headline that you were going to fight Connor. And I don't know if that's still happening, but what's your fight season looking like right now? Yeah, so that, that fight is still happening. The the venue slash uh, date is still up in the air. So Connor and I obviously did the ultimate fighter. Um, he has delayed his uh, returning back to coming to the UFC. He, he did suffer a really bad injury uh, just about a little over two years ago now, snapped his leg in half. I know. I was, I was, at, I was at that fight. It was nasty. Are you, at the, you were at the July fight where you snapped his leg? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah. No, it was tough. So that was, that was the thing where, you know, I'm not going to come at a guy – 
and and say he's a sissy because he's not back yet because what he suffered was a, a real legit injury. Um, it's just been the if Connor wasn't so uh, flippant about oh you know the UFC is keeping me from my livelihood or you know I'm ready to come back but I, they just won't let me come back yet. And it's like well you needed to get back in the USADA testing pool once you, that's the prerequisite to competition. You can't say you want to fight unless you do you know, step one of coming back and entering, entering into the UFC, which is getting the USADA testing pool. He has since done that. He did it in October. Um, so he's been in the USADA testing pool now for a little over a month. So he's coming back. It looked like we were going to fight in December. A lot of people, uh, announced it and said, Hey, it looks like it's happening, but that's obviously not happening. And now, uh, now people are saying, you know, there's a bunch of fake media outlets out there saying, Oh, it's going to happen in April. And, you know, it's definitely happening next year. Uh, we don't have an exact date yet, but they have announced all the way up till March. So it's definitely not going to be January, not going to be February, not going to be March. So ideally, hopefully they're going to announce that it's going to be in April at some point. Um, but hopefully that's, uh, when it is. I have not gotten confirmation when it is, but the thing I've, the thing I've really been focusing on is, is it's the biggest fight of my life, the biggest platform you ever could ask for. It's the opponent that I wanted. I got the ultimate fighter out of it. And I've also been, had the opportunity to have 12 months now of, being with my family and focusing on other business ventures outside of just fighting, focusing on, on standing up companies, becoming ownership owner of a, of numerous companies, helping these guys build our companies and, and do what we're doing outside of just making my paycheck and serving my family now and spending time with them. And then I'll go into training camp. Hopefully if, you know, if we fight sometime early next year by April or so, go back into training camp down in Florida in January, train January, February, March, but I will have already had, a full year, year and a half of being at home under the same roof with my family, which has been really nice. Yeah. Gives you some time to start your own whiskey brand too, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I actually, no, tequila. Oh, okay. tequila. We, hiatus tequila. We started a tequila company. So, <laughs> yeah. So, no, but that way, yeah, that would have been a good play, right? Whiskey versus whiskey. But It's not mezcal by any chance, is it? Like a smoky tequila? It's not. But we uh, we have plans to do a mezcal because I, I, I like mezcal. I don't know if you do. Yeah. Yeah, I love mezcal. I don't do a lot of hard liquors, but or hard alcohol, but I do like mezcal. Well, man, this is this is super fascinating. We only scratched the surface of a bunch of the you know the stuff you do in the realm of fitness and recovery and biohacking and nutrition. But it's always interesting to get inside glimpse into you know how guys who are at the top of the game like you train and live and eat. And so uh, I also really respect the fact that you're a family man and and that you you're a man of God and you just. You, you seem like a really solid dude. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're able to come on today and share all this stuff with us. Of course, man. No. And, and I appreciate people like you because even though, you know, I, I mean, you don't, you don't get to where I'm at and have the longevity that I've had without listening to a ton of thought leaders and people who, who go out, who are continuing to just spread their message. You can tell that you have a passion to use your platform to make as many of us as possible live long and happy and thriving lives. So, um, I appreciate you and, and your, uh, your dedication to making people that you know or do not know all the way across the, all around the world um, have a thriving life. So thank you. Man. Word, man. Now, now we feel really good about each other um, and we're ready for an amazing Tuesday. Well, folks, yeah, dude. Uh, I'll, I'll put the show notes at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Chandler, C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R. You can leave your questions, your comments, your feedback over there. Leave the show a review if you're so inclined or Michael's going to come to your house and beat you up. And, uh, I hope you have an amazing week. And, Michael, thanks so much again. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you, Ben. All right, folks. Have an amazing week. I'll talk to you later. Well, this is pretty cool. 
just put the finishing touches on a luxury VIP retreat in the Swiss mountains. So you may have seen a little bit of rumblings about this on social media, but the beautiful Six Senses Retreat, all-inclusive luxury locale in beautiful Crans, Montana, Switzerland, has graciously allowed me to bring a maximum of up to 10 folks, and this could be individuals, couples, families, into a transformative experience there where I'm going to lead breath work, hikes, workouts. You'll get hands-on foraging adventures with nature's freshest ingredients in their cooking class locale there. You're going to get a chance to do amazing spa treatments, a meticulously curated program. You'll get to meet my wife and my sons who will be there. Again, families are welcome. You can bring one or two or three kids. You can make it a couple's retreat. If you want to go solo, you can. There's a limited number of rooms where we're prioritizing couples and families. But again, if you want to get in, this thing is coming up around the corner, April 17th through the 21st, 2024. So it will be all-inclusive. You'll want to fly into Geneva, Switzerland, assuming you want to get into the closest airport. I've already got our flights. Uh, you'll want to mic your calendar for April 17th through the 21st. And here's how to get in. You go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. And again, it's going to be incredible all the way down to like evening sing-alongs and stargazing and yoga and meditation. And again, the spa there is incredible. Six Senses is known for having incredible retreats around the world, but this one in Switzerland is supposed to be one of the best. I can't wait. I led a retreat in Portugal last year and people just said it was the most amazing experience of their lives. This one will be just as good, if not better. So go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses. 24, and you can get in on this retreat that's coming up right around the corner, April 17th through the 21st. I hope to see you there. Want free access to comprehensive show notes, my weekly roundup, cutting edge research and articles, my top recommendations for everything that you need to hack your life, and much more? Visit bengreenfieldlife.com. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products are often affiliate links, of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items. But the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mention. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.